To go deeper, you must make sure you have the right conviction, the right thinking, the right mindset in your soul. This message is the fifth in the series, I Will Go Deeper. The message is entitled, Unshakable Convictions, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets. Let me just mention a couple things as we get started tonight. First of all, I want to thank you for your generosity. Our church thanks you over the last couple of weeks. We've been giving out special gifts to our community and helping them through the Thanksgiving season. I'm happy to report that we were able to bless about 2,400 families. Think about that. 2,400 families that were blessed because of your giving, so, and your, many of you that served as well, and then also coming into Christmas, as was mentioned recently, we are uh, really looking toward being able to make sure that about 4,500 kids have a gift this Christmas season because of Church of the Redeemer. Think about it, about 4,500 children receiving gifts because of the generosity of our church. So be a part of that, make plans to join in by serving and giving. It really is making a difference in our community. I want to continue our series together entitled Made for More. Guys, I want to bring this up here just a little bit further if I can. Whoops. All right. Let me see if I can get it where I need it to be here. There we go. You want to hand me those? Thank you very much. We started a series just a couple of weeks ago, or actually several weeks ago, called Made for More. Actually, I will go deeper. And we've been talking about a very important word over the last several weeks. And what was that word? Soul. And I want to continue to talk to you this weekend about the importance of your soul, the value of your soul, and one particular area of your soul. We're going to continue to talk about what we started talking about last weekend, and that is your conviction. Say that word with me, your convictions. I want to talk to you about having unshakable convictions in your life and the value of having the right kind of convictions. Now, when we talk about building a life, it's extremely important that you understand that building a life is not going up first. It always starts by going down. According to the Scripture, Jesus very clearly teaches us that the way up is, first of all, where? Down. You can't go up until you establish a foundation. Jesus gave this teaching in Matthew chapter 7 where there was a, uh, a story of two men building houses and one man built his house upon the rock, one man built his house upon sand. You know the story. The storms came and when the storms and winds blew and the rain came down, the only one that survived was the man who built his house on the rock. He invested what was necessary to build some solid foundation. So he went down deep. Say it with me. He went down what? Deep. And depth really is about your life. You know, anybody can be shallow. In fact, the world around us is a shallow world. It's filled with shallow values and shallow morals and shallow relationships. Anyone can be shallow, but you have to put some work in if you're going to be deep. And if you're going to last through life effectively, there has to be depth in your life. Now, we talked about this soul part of you because this really is the deepest part of your being, okay? Every person has a soul. That's what makes you unique. It's an eternal part of you that down in you is this thing called your heart or your soul. And it goes beyond just this life. You're going to carry this with you for eternity. That's how when God made uh, Adam and Eve, and the scripture says in Genesis, 
Genesis, that he made them out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into them the breath of life and they became a living soul. And so now they have life that will go on forever. So every person here, you're going to live forever in one of two places. You are an eternal being by your very nature and your soul is what is directing your life. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 with me, if you will. The, fourth, the 23rd verse of Proverbs chapter 4 says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. What do your thoughts do? Run your life. Where do your thoughts come from? Your soul. Your soul is a part of your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. All of these Make up who you are as a person. When you say, I want to get to know someone, you're not really getting to know at least their body. You want to know their soul. You want to learn something about their heart. That's how you get to know an individual, by learning something about their heart. Now, in your soul, if you have bad stuff in here, if you've got hurt and pain and all kind of stuff that you're carrying around in your heart, it's going to affect how you think, the choices you make, the feelings that you feel, your personality. So whatever is in you, the Bible says, is going to affect what comes out of you. And so we talked about the importance of having a whole soul and how it's important to experience God's healing in that dimension of your life. But then it moves beyond that. It's not just a matter of getting the bad out. It's very important that you get the good in. And so this is where this word comes to bear. It's the word convictions. What your soul needs is your soul needs the right kind of operating system. Like every computer has an operating system. In your computer, you're running Windows or you're running, if you have an Apple computer, it's a Macintosh system that you're running or Linux systems that some, operate, some systems operate on. But every, every computer has an operating system. It runs in the background. It's deep into the system. But every application lays on top of the operating system. And in your soul, there's a way that you think, there's a mindset that you have, there's a way that you make decisions, there are emotions that you allow to either rule you or dominate your life or that you've learned to handle in certain ways, and this is your operating system. And so it's extremely important that you have the right operating system in your soul. There's the right way of thinking. And that's where your convictions come to bear. And so we're looking at five convictions that are necessary to have a strong, deep soul to navigate the world in the way that God designed you to navigate it. So I'm going to talk about three of these tonight. We talked about two last week. I would encourage you if you missed that. Make sure that you get a copy of that CD or you go online and just download it free. It's available for you at our website. But tonight, let's dive into the lesson. Number one, the first thing is you must have this conviction that my identity, value, and worth are secure. That if you're going to operate in life the right way, you've got to deal with something called your identity. Everybody has one. Your identity is how you think about you. Whether you realize it or not, while you think about other people in a certain way, you also think about you in a certain way. You have an opinion of yourself. And the opinion that you have of yourself will either be healthy or unhealthy. It can be good and productive, or it can be very negative in your life. And it can also go to the other side of things. It can be arrogant. In fact, what I've learned over the years in dealing with my own life and dealing with other people, the devil comes along and tries to attack your identity. And he attacks your identity by either making you feel like you are nothing 
that you have nothing to offer, you are valueless, or for some folks, he convinces them that they are everything. That they are, the real, they are like the center of the universe. And so in your life, there's this attack of the devil that is constantly upon you as a human being because he wants to keep you from operating the way God designed you to operate, so he goes after your identity. If he can affect, think about this, if he can affect the way you view other people, will that affect your relationship with other people? Come on, help me out, will he? Of course it will. If he can affect the way you think about you, will it affect how you handle life? Of course it will. And so the adversary comes after you to try to get you to feel like you're absolutely nothing, and so you're worthless and have no value at all, and so there's this low self-esteem that you carry around in you, or you jump on the other side and you're like the everything. And God comes along and says, now let me show you what the real identity is all about. And so on your notes, you're going to see some things that you need to know about you. Are you ready to learn what your identity is? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there are five things that you need to know about you. Number one, you are and always will be loved by God. There's never a time that God will stop loving you. If you've made the decision to give your life to Christ, you are loved by God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, but God is so rich in mercy and He loved us, how much? So much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. You and I are saved by the grace of God, and grace is motivated by the fact that God loved us so dearly. Notice how Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And I am convinced, as I've thought about this, I've searched the Scriptures about it, Paul says, I've turned this over in my heart and mind. I've come to a conviction. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Anyone glad that that passage is in the Bible? Okay. You are, your identity needs to be firmly established in the fact that you are and always will be loved by God. Other people may not always love you. Other people may not always accept you, but God has already determined that you're the object of His love. Number two, the second thing you must have in terms of your identity to have this right operating system in your soul is to know that you are a new person in Jesus Christ. That the day that you made the decision to give your life to Christ, something incredible happened called conversion. You were changed. 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Read the rest with me. The old life is gone. A new life 
has begun. The day you accepted Christ, it was a starting point in your life that you became a new person. If that was last week, if that was three days ago, if that was 10 years ago, on my, in my situation, it was decades ago that I gave my life to Jesus. But on that day, I became born again. I became a brand new person in God's kingdom. And that my identity needs to always be that not only am I loved by God, but I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. Number three, the third part of your identity that the devil will go after, but you must hold on to to have the right operating system in your soul. Read it with me that you are a child of God. Isn't that precious? You're a child of God. First John 3 verse 1. See how very much our father loves us. There's that love again. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So John is saying, understand that you are part of God's family. Romans 8, 15 and 16. So since you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So every day you wake up, I tell you, if you, until you get this identity in you, it is not uh, a bad idea to look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, number one, I am loved by God. And then to look in the mirror and say, I am a new person in Jesus Christ. I'm not the same old person that I was before I met Jesus. I am loved by God and I am a new person in Christ and I am God's child. I'm a part of his family. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 describes this relationship that we have now with our heavenly father. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Dear ones, tonight remember something. As, a, as an earthly parent, and there are many parents in the room this evening, and you know what it's like to have children. You, you know what it is to have them in your world and to love them and to care for them. And there's not a single thing that you would not sacrifice out of your love to take care of that child. Why? Because there is a relationship with them. They're in your family. You care deeply. They belong to you. They're a part of your life. And God says, I want you to know that there's not a single thing that I'm not willing to make you, to provide for you and make sure that you have in your life. Whatever your needs are, the Father says, I know you're my child and I'm your Father. I will take care of you. Tremendous thing to, re to realize, to remember. Number, number four, you must have the identity always that you are a friend of God. You're not God's enemy, you're God's friend. Jesus speaks of this in John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because, you, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You are a friend of God. So you're loved by God. Say with me tonight, I am loved by God. Say it together. I am loved by God. 
Now say with me also, I am a new person in Jesus Christ. Together, I am a new person in Jesus Christ. Number three, say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And number four, say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And number five, say, you are a channel of God's blessing. Say, I am a channel of God's blessing. See, when you begin to think this way, everything starts to change in your life. You begin to work with the right operating system where? In your, your soul. Now, all of us here are called to be a channel of blessing, that God wants to get his work done through you and me. We're his channels. And Jesus spoke of this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God is saying, what I want you to be for me is a channel of my light to the world that in the good things that you do, it will point back to me. So I am loved by God. Say it together. I am loved by God. I am a new person in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. And I am a channel of God's blessings. I would highly recommend that if you are beginning to learn how to have the right identity in your relationship with God, that you take those five things and you write them on a notepad somewhere, you put them on a three-by-five card, you put them on something that you can get access to very easily and regularly, perhaps daily, and you read those over and over again. Because I promise you, when you begin to see your identity in this dimension of relationship with God and your soul, it will make a difference in the way that you live your life. The second thing I want to talk to you about is your purpose. There needs to be a conviction in you that your purpose on earth is important. There's another key conviction that God wants you to have deep in your soul, and that's this sense of personal purpose. Purpose is, is the why. It's your reason for being, and everyone has a purpose. God designed you with a purpose. And I've, I've told you this uh, on, a, on a number of occasions, but I want to continue to build this into your thinking because this is so, again, critical to the way you live your life. You are not an accident. I don't care what the circumstances were related to your conception and birth. I want you to know that you, your, your, your being is not accidental. God planned for you. God knew you even before you were born. And God has a purpose for your life. And so that's why when you fight with God about you, who are you really fighting about? How God made you, okay? And so whoever you are, whatever your environment is, whatever your life represents, God created you. He brought you into this world for a purpose. There's a reason for your life. The psalmist David, who had a lot of ups and downs in his life, he went through a lot of difficulties. A lot of people think that David had it easy all the time. David did not have it easy. I mean, even the very time that uh, when Samuel was trying to find out who the next prophet, was, who the next king was going to be, and he asked Jesse to bring all of his sons together so that he could determine who the next king of Israel would be, uh, Jesse did not even invite his son David to the party. 
He left him out in the fields. And so David did not have an easy life. He struggled with a lot of different, uh, different uh, obstacles and hindrances and, and challenges in his life. But there was a time that David wrote these words found in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, where David came to this realization about his purpose. He said to God, it's a prayer to God, he said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. David said, God, you're the one that made me. And then he says in verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. So if you're complex, okay, you're in good company. David was too, okay. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. What did David know about his life? He knew that God made him for a purpose. Jeremiah the prophet speaks to Israel as Israel was going into Babylonian captivity and one day would return back to her homeland. And he speaks on behalf of God to the people of God and to a word that is, I believe, appropriate for us to claim in our lives as well. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Would you read it together with me aloud and loudly? God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God says, I've got some plans for you. And your best plans are not behind you. Your best plans are in front of you. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter writes again, talking about this purpose. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Read the rest with me. Use them well to serve one another. Peter says, God has given you something in your life. There's a reason for your being. Discover what it is and get busy doing it. Use your gifts well. By the way, because in many other passages we're told that how we use our gifts one day will give an account to God and he will hold us account for what we did with the purpose and the giftings that he gave us. Your life has a purpose. Notice in your notes some statements here. God placed you on earth as you. How did God place you here? Not as somebody else, but God placed you on earth as who? You. And when you fight with God, you're mad with God about being you, guess what? He made you, you. To contribute something only you can contribute. Isn't that incredible? Am I talking to anybody here tonight? Okay. Your contribution isn't, mesh, isn't measured by status, by rec recognition, or accolades, but by faithful obedience. You're not gonna, your contribution on earth is not about you becoming famous. It's not about even people necessarily knowing who you are. You know, some of the greatest servants of God, no one even knows who they are. They never made it to a platform somewhere. They never had prominence. Their name was never on a marquee somewhere. But they did what God asked them to do. They served their purpose. 
your contribution, what is it about? It's about giving and serving and blessing, advancing, helping, forwarding God's work in the world. I can't think of anything better than to stand before the Lord one day and know that I did my part in getting His work done in the world. That's an incredible thing. I want to hear those words one day that will come from the Master. Well done, good and faithful what servant. You did well. Now remember this, you don't hear well done unless you're done well. And so there's this choice that you must make and then your faithful obedience and contribution are noted and will be rewarded by God. If you'll simply do what God asks you to do with your life and fulfill the purpose He has for you, it may not feel grand to you, it may not feel majestic to you, or may not feel like it's making you famous, that's okay. If you'll faithfully do what God asks you to do, He notes it, He watches it, and I promise you that He will reward it. He is a faithful rewarder of those that diligently seek and serve Him. There's a third conviction that I want you to hold. The Bible very clearly teaches us to hold on to in life. And that's that our eternal destiny is settled. So we're looking at these three convictions that are essential in the operating system of your life. It starts with your identity. It moves then to your, what what did we just talk about? Your purpose. And the third one is your eternal destiny. Destiny. If you, have, if you have settled your convictions about these three things, I know who I am. Who am I? I am loved by God, right? I am a new person in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. And I am a channel of of God's blessing. So I'm secure. I have deep convictions, not shallow, but down in the operating system of my soul. My identity is settled. It's secure. And then I move on to my purpose. I know, I know my purpose. I know that I am put on earth to accomplish something that no one else can. So I'm no longer fighting with God about me. I'm now attempting to discover the reason that He made me so that I can do what He wants me to do so that I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So my conviction is, I have a purpose. I have the right identity. I have a purpose. And then the third conviction is, I know where I'm going. So if you have those three things in life, nothing can shake you. you the, the wind of life and the rains of life can come and beat upon you, but you have a rock that you're standing on, so you must know where you're going for eternity. And so there is an eternal destiny that is absolutely settled because I want you to know today that this life is temporary you hear me it's important that we continue to remember this that this life is temporary it's and it's passing very quickly just yesterday I was 20 how about you okay it just seems as though it's just time passed by and where did the time go? And if you're young today, I would say, you know, be, be aware of the fact that it's going to pass far more quickly than you realize it will. In fact, James talks about this in James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do, we will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while. Read the rest with me. And it's gone. 
The Bible says that's what life is like, that it's here for a little while and then it's gone. Over 30 years ago, there was a couple that uh, came into our church. Actually, we were meeting in a uh, small high school, uh, junior high school uh, building, little room there, and they showed up one Sunday morning, and they just just connected with our church so wonderfully, and from that point on, they were just an active part of our church life. Mike and Dolly Wilson. Mike and Dolly used to come to my, my house every Wednesday night because back in those days, as we were starting the church over 30 years ago, we would have Bible study every Wednesday night at my church, my house. And so Mike and Dolly would show up every Wednesday night. And they would show up just with such a smile. We're enthusiastic studiers of God's Word. I mean, just Mike was a hungry student of the Word of God. He would just sort of pull it out. You've ever been a teacher before? You have a student in a class that just pulls the stuff out of you. And that's, that's Mike. That was Mike Wilson. In fact, we have a picture of Mike and Dolly on the, on the screens there. Mike and Dolly Wilson. I found out yesterday that Friday morning, I guess it was Friday morning, correct? Friday morning, that when Dolly woke up, Mike had gone to be with Jesus. And the reason I say that is because Mike, there was no expectation that Mike was about to go be with Jesus. There was no, there was no warning signs. There was nothing that... Anybody would have said, you know, he's sick, he's perhaps going to die. Nobody was expecting it. She had the, I talked to her this afternoon, and she said, I had no expectation. He was doing great. But he, but, you, but he went to bed on Thursday night and didn't wake up on Friday morning. Okay. Now, here's the good news. I know where he is. I'm going to see him. We're going to see him again, all right? So he's probably having a Bible study with St. Peter right now. That's probably what he's doing, okay? Mike and Dolly, for years, they served in our Frederick campus because they moved from here and moved up toward the Frederick area, and they served there. They were the, some of the last folks that people would walk out of the service on the, on the, at the end of the service, and they would be back in the foyer area shaking everybody's hand and greeting people on the way out. They served well. Mike served well, and, of course, Dolly is still here with us. But what I want you to know, you can take the picture down, what I want you to remember today is that your life is very short. It's very temporary. And there's not a single one of us that know that we will actually have tomorrow. I don't say that to scare you. I'm not here to, I, that's not the kind of teacher or pastor that I am. I don't, I don't operate on fear. But I do operate on reality. And reality is that you do not know if you will wake up tomorrow morning. Mike did not know that that was going to be his last night. And so the issue for you and me is that if you're going to have the right kind of life, if you're going to have the right operating system in your soul, you better settle this, this eternal destiny issue in your life. And that's the only way you're going to have the fullest, the fullest dimension of life because until you do, there's always hanging over you the fact that you're moving from this life to the next and there's an uncertainty about what the next is going to be. If that's unsettled, you will live an unsettled life. That's why Jesus made it so clear in John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible in a very succinct way he tells us how to be sure about our eternal destiny. For this is how God loved the world. Reading from New Living Translation. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life, a secure eternal destiny. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. That's the incarnation, Jesus coming 
from heaven to earth. That's what we're going to be celebrating for Christmas, the advent of our Lord. So the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But listen to 1 John 5, 13. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may... What's that next word there? You might want to circle that on your notes. If that verse is on your notes here, right? Just circle that word. You may know. Not wonder about, not question, but that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus said, the way you have eternal life is to put your faith in me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The writer of Hebrews says the son of God came to take on this flesh and blood so that he could defeat the devil and defeat death once and for all. And did Jesus defeat death? You better believe he defeated death. Because on Easter morning, he rose from the grave. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold him because he was life. He had already proclaimed at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Death could not hold him. But it was not just that impact of him presenting himself as the son of God through his resurrection, but his resurrection has implications for you and me. It should free you when you put your faith in Jesus from the fear of dying. And I talk to Christians from time to time who still hold on to kind of, I'm afraid of death. You don't need to be afraid of death if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You don't need to be afraid of death. Now, you don't need to run out and, you know, hope for it tomorrow either. Okay, that's not healthy. You want to have a healthy appreciation for life and you need to want to have life and you need to go after life and, and live life well. And so, but you, there ne never needs to be hanging over your head this fear of what's going to happen to me when I die. I have zero fear of death. I used to have fear of death when I was a kid. It would keep me awake at night. What's going to happen? I remember one night, even after I was saved, I was still concerned about what would happen if I died. And I shared that fear would grip me. And I remember kneeling down with a pastor one day and as he prayed, I'd shared with him my concern. I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven if I die. How can I be sure? And he opened the Bible and he took me to Romans 10, 9 and 10 that says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the, de from the dead, you will be saved. He said, do you believe that? And I said, yes, I believe it. Then you've got to take the Bible at its word. And so from that moment, he knelt with me. And I once again confess that from that time forward, I've never had a fear of dying since that point. Okay? Because I took the Bible for what it says being true. And when you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and you've made the decision to become a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of dying. You can live this life to its fullest, giving your best here because you realize that once this is over, it's not the end. It's just simply you were here and you stepped over here, okay? The best way I can describe death for a believer is this. It's like being in one room of a house, okay? And you're having a conversation with someone in one room of the house and you step out of that room into another room. And the ones that were in that room may not can see you anymore, but it doesn't mean your existence has ceased. You've just stepped into a glorious existence. Your last breath here was your first breath here. Okay. 
And why is this so important? It's important because it does two things. It allows you to be free from torment in your life. Again, go after life, go after health, and everything you can, you, you can go after it with. It's very vital. Live your life to the fullest, but to realize you don't need to be afraid about death because as a believer, your death has already been defeated. Okay? It has already been defeated. And give your best every day to living a life that is worthy of eternity. Amen? Motivate, to be motivated now to say, you know what, this life is not what it's all about, okay? This life is not what it's all about. Let me tell you something, folks. If you live to be 100, that's a very short period of time compared to eternity, amen? Okay. So if you take those 100 years that you live here on earth or 90 years or whatever it might be that you live here on earth and you do your best for the kingdom of God while you're here, you're making an investment, you're laying up treasures on the other side that when you get there, they will be waiting for you there and to do the best that you can to advance the kingdom of God and to influence other people for eternity because of your security and where you're going. So there are three convictions in the operating system of your soul that is vital. How many of you want to go deeper? Come on, do you want to go deeper? Okay. You can't play this thing on the shallows here, okay? The devil will eat your lunch if you, if you hang around the shallows. Okay, you've got to get to the place. There's something deep in you, deep convictions. I know who I am. I have identity. Who am I? I am loved by God. I am a new person in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. And I am a channel of God's blessing. So every day, I start off with that reality. I know who I am. I'm not in search of who I am. I know who I am. I've settled that reality. There's a conviction inside of me about my identity. And I've settled the conviction about my purpose. I'm here on earth because God made me. He created me to do something that I can only uniquely do. And so I'm not trying to find out why I'm here. I'm going to go after my purpose in God. There's a reason for my being. And then I have this solid, absolute conviction that I know where I'm going. I don't live in fear every day because I know that if I take my last breath here, I'm taking my first breath there. So I'm giving it all here to lay up every treasure I can where? There. Amen? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're so very grateful for the opportunity that we've had to study together. I pray that you'll take this message and seal it in our hearts. Help us to have solid, deep convictions about our identity, about our purpose, and about our eternal destiny. Settle these in our heart in a deep, deeper way than ever before, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, 
God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.